Hey, I'm Angie. And I'm Emily. Being a creative person in the corporate space can be really tough, and we should know. Join us to talk about how to be a right brain in a left-brained world. It's The Artist at Work. Well, we are starting a week full of love and celebrations of love. Whatever love looks like to you, whether you're celebrating with a partner, yourself, or just your network of friends, um, we're thinking about it a lot too. And so today's topic is um, friendship. Friendship in the workplace, outside of the workplace, how your friends support you and are your cheerleaders um, with your work and you know, just in general. And we have a pretty good friendship origin story. So um, Angie, why don't you talk about how you remember us becoming friends so many years ago. (laughs) Okay. What's funny about this already, I'll just kind of preface (laughs) it with this, is that Emily's memory is like, you know, like it's scripted in her mind. Like (laughs) I, I don't know how her memory is so I don't know. Perfect. It's I don't know the good. word for it's it. Sort of, uh, Mary Lou Henner has a totally photographic memory. I don't. Um, <laughs> and there are members of my family whose memory is I'm about third out of four. On wow. Terms of, like, good wow. Memory. Uh-huh. Yeah. My dad and my sister far, far out remember me. Um, so it's really kind of amazing. Unbelievable. So I am not that person, <laughs> but I, this is how I remember our, our origin story. We were at our our workplace and Emily was a new hire on the creative team and she was our first full-time dedicated writer which everybody in the whole organization was very excited about and generally when new people would enter the team I like to just let them kind of like figure it out for themselves right figure out who they're going to jive with who's going to be our difficult people I don't want to put my any sort of negativity or positivity my spin on their perception of the team and that's kind of just like my kind of statement in general, how I approach things. For whatever reason, I didn't let that carry through to Emily. (laughs) Instead, I remember it was probably our second or third day. We had our one-on-one. We're in a conference room that was really tucked away, which was my favorite one to get. And was that one of the UX rooms where they had the double-sided mirror? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, Like back behind that, like. Yep. Totally. Alley. It was probably someone's office at some point, but like now it's just tucked away. and A lot of people didn't know it was there. So no one would peer in the window. It was just a little secret. So of course we scheduled that room. And for whatever reason, I think we just jived from the moment we met. So I decided I'm going to put that facade down and I'm actually going to tell you how it is. So I just dished on the strengths and weaknesses of the team, of the individuals, and then of our, you know, clients, stakeholders, whatever you want to call them and who to like and who not to like. So we sat in that room. I gave her the dish and basically said, well, now you're going to be my friend. So I don't know. And and (laughs) in my twenties, I did that to quite a few people. And now that I think about it, most of them were writers and I don't know what that means. That's very funny. Um, maybe it's, yeah. Well, and I, the, the writer friends of yours, I know they're not all like, you know, creepy little introverts like I am and was, you have some outspoken writers among your, your friend group, but yeah. that's, I don't know. That's really it's funny. interesting. And then I basically folded her into the friendships I had made within the team and the organization and just started inviting you to kind of everything, yeah. including my friends outside the organization, because I've never been one to silo my friendships. If you want to be my friend, 
we do it all together. And that's just kind of how it's always been. So for better, for worse, I don't know what you think, but (laughs) you joined along, which I don't know. I must not have been that obnoxious in my pursuit of friendship. No, we've talked before about how I love being adopted and you love adopting. So, you know, when, again, as an introvert, I don't want to do that work. Having somebody who's going to be my ambassador and who's going to make (laughs) me look cool and interesting just by association is a dream come true for me. I love that. Um, And so I welcomed that with open arms. I remember when I joined, it was right before Thanksgiving and we were, the team was, I wasn't doing anything because I was brand spanking new, planning for the year end meetings. Our shared boss was too busy to take me to lunch on my first day. So Angie, excuse me, and another uh, person who worked at the organization took me to lunch at that, got that Alante Oh yeah. With those terrible cheese salads. <laughs> that was my favorite salad at the time. Not the cheese one, but like the Mediterranean mix or something. Sure. They had like a ranch that I just adored. <laughs> so we went there for lunch and it was just, it was an, and I'm sure that like you brought Sarah along as sort of a, like, what if this person's weird? I need a buffer. Like <laughs> this is going to be really like uncomfortable with some new untested creep who like we didn't meet at the in during the interview process at right all. that's right so like I was like a completely untested entity and just sort of showing up like being really awkward and, and creepy about like what do I do at this job I also had not worked in a corporate setting at that point for almost three years because I had I was in grad school I had been laid off I was in grad school and then I worked uh, like a receptionist job um for a while at a doctor's office And so I was just a little bit like, didn't really have my sea legs as far as like working yet. I still don't. And this is 10 years later. (laughs) No one knew that. No one (laughs) knew that like you were nervous or felt that way. And I think I probably just volunteered because that's what I do. Yeah, uh, totally. I was like, oh, she's new on the team. I'm excited to have her. Can't wait to have a writer. I'll go. Yeah. And then, yeah. Sorry about Alanti though. We could have done better. It's, you know what? It it was what we had at the time. Um, (laughs) Looking back, we would have probably like, High rolled it. Like, you know, today we'd be at the JW for three hours <laughs> having two glasses of wine. Um, but that was a very appropriate thing to do for a couple of 30 year olds. Yeah. And you're right. To your point, we had that meeting and it was just sort of like from then on out, it was a very like, we almost didn't have to say like, we're a team, you know? Yeah. It just sort of like we were. Yeah. Having to navigate these things by yourself, I would imagine even as a very outgoing, socially comfortable person are really challenging. Um, and then There is also sort of when you go through events like that, especially when you are behind the scenes, when you're working really long hours, that bonds you to a team much more quickly. You know, it's like summer camp, right? It brings you so much more, brings you closer to your teams, builds a lot more trust and affinity faster than you would if you were just like having a regular old nine to five, 40 hour work week. This was sort of a nice way to be thrown in um, and quickly get to know people and work alongside them and develop pretty close relationships that obviously, if you're listening to this, have thrived to this day. Yeah. And, you know, I equate that obviously to being a part of a sports team. Yep. So I have played sports my whole life and I went to college and played tennis and instantly those girls were my friends. They, you know, we had a commonality. We had an understanding of work ethic and, you know, to get to a certain point, you have to put a lot of hours in. And then we wanted to support each other. We genuinely liked each other. So, I mean, I've been to all those girls' weddings, sometimes twice, and it's the same thing. If you have those bonding experiences, you'll, you naturally form those ties together. And it was actually probably great timing that that's when you joined. 
Yeah. Uh huh. It was really, I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, and we had a lot of fun there for a lot of years and grew, you know, we've talked about this before, sort of like we're able to kind of grow a team culture and, you know, do a lot of really cool stuff that was not necessarily super tied to our job descriptions. Right. Absolutely. Like, we got to do a lot of things. And I think that that was just really strengthened by the friendship that we brought to the table um, and the trust that we had in one another. And like, you know, when we were going to bat for any sort of creative work, like we knew that, that we could always sort of trust the other person to be like a stand in you know, it was just, it was, we had a really good balance of like actual outside of work friendship and like really strong ability to be able to like truly work together. Mm-hmm. And it, be, it was natural. And I think that those are the best friendships and often the strongest because they can sustain, you know, being thousands of miles away from each other, not talking every day, not sitting next to each other. And, you know, you see that I personally, a lot of my friends have moved away from the Midwest for the West Coast, stealing all my people. <laughs> and and then I do have people, you know, still in Ohio who you don't get to see all the time. But yet those are some of my strongest friendships because it's like the time and space and distance actually can't break those friendships. They're stronger because of it even. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before about like, we're so lucky to have the tools, especially, you know, pandemic, we get it. We know, um, but <laughs> to be able to, you know, I texted with every single one of my good friends from college two hours ago. So you don't have to store up all of the things you want to tell them or talk to them about when you only see them once every five years, it's really easy to maintain those sort of like connections that are based on really little things that have nothing to do with like, these huge life events, but everything to do with like time together and stupid little stories and just like building a life together, however you built it and whenever you built it. Um, and then being able to share those experiences by pushing a few buttons and sending it out into space. Yeah. And I think you said something really interesting there. Um, if you think even just like about college when um, we weren't texting, um, yes, we're, we know how old we are. Um, <laughs> and when you, you had to like schedule phone time with a friend yeah. and I I would make like an agenda of things we have to talk about because we had to catch up on so many things sure. and we likely weren't emailing. We may have been on instant messenger, but oh, spotty, yeah. mm-hmm. um, not in a consistent way. So I remember those phone calls having to be like almost hours long. Um, it's almost like when you think about, wow, I really need to catch up with so-and-so and you put it off because you're like, shoot, it's going to, it's, I don't have like uh-huh. two hours and totally. I want to be present with them. And I want to ask them all the questions and I want to get like a proper catch up, but it seems daunting to set aside that time. So when you have these other tools, like a text and it doesn't feel like it's coming out of the blue, or maybe it even does, it keeps you more connected. So I, especially throughout like the last year, I have tried much harder. And I think that like I'm in a funny spot because I live in a place where most of my friends don't. I've talked before on the podcast about, you know, how different it was for me to try to make friends as an adult when I moved here when I was 37. Um, And was I 36 or 37? It actually really doesn't matter. But how I thought that like, I was just going to have just add water friendships from my job that didn't really materialize because at that point, like 
I wasn't as invested in my workplace. You know, there wasn't a bar in the basement as there was in <laughs> uh, all the other buildings in Chicago I worked in. <laughs> um, everyone was maybe a little bit older or just not really interested in learning about like this new person, which is fine. I'm not that interesting. They shouldn't want to. And being able to then like return to that well of, of friendships that I've built over the last 40 years <laughs> um, has been really fun. And I think that like a lot of my friendships have strengthened in the past year because we have all been without human contact day to day. Um, you know, you're not talking to your favorite barista uh, every morning anymore. You're not, you know, making small talk with the person who collects your tolls at the toll booth um, when you're going to work every day. So being able to sort of check in on, on a smaller level with people who I have not seen in person in a decade has been an absolute treat and a half. Yeah. And I think also what you're speaking to <clears throat> besides, you know, the last year, you're speaking to how in different phases or seasons of life, it's, making friendships, sustaining friendships looks different Yeah, based on your path, whether you are married with children, single, partnered, you have different levels of time for friendship. And I think there can be seasons where it ebbs and flows, be, you know, you have littles at home or something like that, where you, you honestly don't have the hours in the day to go to brunch with your girlfriends. Like that's just not something you can do on Saturdays anymore, right. but you can still text them. Right. Yeah. And you can still check in. So idea of new friendships and seasons of life, I think is maybe something we should talk about a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so here's a question. What's the last new friend you made? I think, I think the last new friendship I made, um, was this woman who I met at a networking event. I was speaking on a panel and we connected um, and we, you know, exchanged information and we ended up like getting drinks and then going to dinner and then seeing concerts together. Um, and what's really, and she's lovely. Like I, she's so fun and interesting and you have really deep conversations with kind of a, an acquaintance. We really connected right out the gates, but it was that year that I was kind of freelancing in between uh, my corporate jobs and I had more space yeah. because I do have a lot of friendships in Chicago and I have a very kind of active social life or I did and finding, you know, days of the week to slot new friends in was a little bit tough because you couldn't really throw her in the mix with other people because she was more of a one-on-one -on -one friend, which mm -hmm. I think is, there's fine. Like some friendships are like that. One-on-one um, -on -one or small group, like one of the best things is like our dialogue. So I throwing her into like a random occasion could just feel forced or just not worthy of her time almost. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I was overthinking it. But when I got busy with my job, um, shortly thereafter, I met Matt and I we started dating. So that takes away another layer of um, availability. Yeah. And we kind of kept up the next year. But then after that, we've sort of just dissolved. Mm -hmm. And it's we still like each other's Instagrams. I would still go get coffee with her or dinner or drinks, but it's not something I've maintained. And I think it was just like a lack of availability. And then at some point it became like, I don't know. Does she even want to hang out with me? I kind of like, I think ghost her. She didn't ghost me, but you know, it's like, that's probably my last new friend. No. So, okay. So our, our definitions of friendship, I think have changed over the years or certainly mine have. I, I went from 
thinking that I had to spend from actually spending every waking moment with my friends in say college, when you're all living in like a disgusting apartment together. And that's just what you do to, and expecting a lot out of those friendships to, you know, thinking of somebody who is a friend of mine as somebody I kind of see very casually, maybe, you know, once a, once a quarter um, or something and not needing so much energy from those people and so much energy from those relationships. I think you're talking about expectations yeah. for others too. Yep. And I think there is a little bit of a science and a data point that I don't remember, but you have to s- something about spending X amount of hours with a person I've seen this. to get them over to a different level of friendship. Right. So perhaps the woman I was discussing and I didn't spend enough time together to, you know, cross the bridge to that next level of friendship where we could just pick up where we left off. Right. So I, I do think there's something there to that um, because it, it shows like resilience almost. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's something very real about time, right? You have the amount of hours you work and then you have free time. So even in the evenings and on your weekends, mm-hmm. and if you have a family with maybe little kids a lot of your free time has to be spent with those kids. Maybe the evenings are yours because they go to bed at seven. So if you want to do a dinner on Thursday nights with your girlfriends twice a month, you probably can, but it takes scheduling. It's a different level there, right? There's not as much spontaneity. You probably can't go to happy hour right after work because you have to pick them up from daycare. Like there's all these different things that I noticed when I was in this last role in a corporate space that, I didn't make as deep of friendships being one of the older people there because people who I was connecting with and who I could see being really good friends with had families. So they had to scoot out. They weren't, there wasn't the natural, like, let's go chat and for hours outside of work and not really even talk about work, get to know each other. You kind of didn't get that bonding time because of state of life and seasons of life. Totally. So I think that's a very real thing. And if your friendships have sustained those relationships and the ups and downs of, you know, the way family changes or the way your location changes or the way you prefer to spend your free time, I was going to become like a distance runner and I was going to run marathons and be super invested. I would likely change my eating and drinking habits. I'd probably go to bed earlier. I'd wake up earlier. I would potentially, my free time would become running and maybe I would become friends with a group of people who also like doing that. So then your free time shifts, but you've done it to yourself. It's not about family. It's not about work. So you have to think about people in different stages and you go through different things. So if friendships can sustain those things, those are the ones worth sticking around. And then maybe you make new ones because of hobbies or because of life changes that fill in those gaps. Yeah, totally. I completely get that. I think we've talked a lot about, you know, getting from friendships, but to your point that you kind of touched on was that you also have to invest in those friendships and you have to you know, make sure that you are, there's a whole metaphor about, you know, cultivating the garden or whatever the hell (laughs) that like is gross and weird. But I think that, you know, it is hard to always, especially now, I think like to check in on people when you kind of don't feel so great yourself. At least that's my, my experience throughout all of this is it's really kind of tricky to like, not even put on a brave face because my I'm not embarrassed to tell my friends like, this is really hard. I feel sad some days because I can't leave the house and I can't get on a plane to see you or whatever. But, you know, 
two sides of the same coin are sort of like, it is really helpful and distracting and makes things feel normal when you do get to, to reach out and just say like, oh, I saw that commercial for that thing that we used to do a decade ago. One thing that's interesting, I think, from the duality of us is, you know, you've said a lot of your friendships have gotten stronger through this. And I I definitely can understand that. And there's been some that I agree there, too. But I think there's also the thing of because it's been so different and we're not seeing each other, there's some friendships where seeing each other and doing the thing together was the basis of the friendship almost. Sure. Yep. So you have to think about those relationships and how do you cultivate and, and keep those going when you're not doing any of the things. Yeah. And I've seen some of those relationships personally kind of not go away, but shift in a way that you actually don't know how to tap into Mm -hmm. or how you're supposed to bring that up because nothing's wrong. No one did anything wrong. There's just no, none of those things your relationship was built on to do anymore. Right. Yeah. You can't go to like, um, close talking and spit club anymore. And if that's (laughs) what you do with your friend, who's at, you know, (laughs) that's, that's kind of off the table. If that's your close talking and spit friend, then like, (laughs) what? and that makes you think like, do I like you because I like the thing or do I like you because I like you as a person? Yeah. Or, if you want to use an actual example, maybe somebody you go to the movies with, but maybe once a month you went to a movie on Sunday and that's something yeah. you looked forward to. Well, now you're, I guess you could invite them over, but no one's really seen each other. You could watch a movie on Netflix that started at the same moment, yeah. but it's not the same, right? You uh-uh. don't get to t- like talk about how excited you are for your giant diet Coke and your bucket of popcorn. And yeah. you don't get to catch up about your work week and like the little casual things and follow up on whatever it was you talked about because though that instance is gone. Yeah. And I think that you're saying it's not the same brings up a really like salient point for me, at least like over my life, I've seen this happen several times where like you can evolve. Maybe like if you can't go to the movies or if you stop being a distance runner or if close talking and spit club has, has shuttered its doors because of lack of popularity, do you keep trying to make it happen or do you work to make, you know, okay, now we watch a movie on Netflix and start it at the same time. Or maybe we also like the same books. Sort of trying to revisit and make things happen that no longer serve us or the relationship, I think is like something that I've struggled with a lot in the past. And like trying to make, you know, I thought this was so fun when I was 25. So why am I not enjoying it now? And, you know, seeing if like it's the thing or if it's the person and like how you can can salvage those relationships if you do want to is, is, um, takes a lot of kind of tricky inward looking, I think. Yeah. And as someone who outwardly tries, right, I'm making plans. I want to involve everyone. I want to, I want to plan something for the future. I want, I always want something to look forward to, right. That's something that really lights me up, but there's not really any of that right now. So I feel like a lot of my output to let's talk specifically to my local friends. A lot of that output was about what are we doing? What plans are we doing? Where are we going to dinner? Where on Sunday we're going to do a wall crawl and go look at all the murals and plan those sorts of activities and like how give people things to look forward to, including myself, you know, building some excitement around that. Yeah. And that's gone. So it's given me a lot of 
not as many reasons to reach out, yeah. which kind of sounds shitty, but I think that has impacted some of my local friendships because the basis of them was doing the thing. Yeah. And doing the thing is so important. I mean, like it's hard to like, you know, sit and do nothing with somebody because you want to be engaging and you want to be active and you want to be interesting and interested. And it's not that I don't have things in common with these people. That's why we're friends and they're lovely and they're fun and they're so interesting. Lots of things are going on in their lives and I want to talk with them about it, but it's almost like there's not a, a place for it. Right. There's not a, yeah. a restaurant to sit at that holds it. There's not a weekly book club to gather at. There's not, I don't know, any other example, but I feel like that's maybe the void in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, circling the whole way back around, that's sort of the, the cork in the dam, right? Are text messages and little phone calls and tiny little Zooms um, and things that are just sort of like, a rather poor substitute for big wine nights and weekend trips to Madison. And it's different. And, you know, the best we can do right now in a lot of these situations is just, again, like a quick text or an Insta comment or whatever it is that we have, which like, again, I'm so grateful for as much as I deride social media in general and like have a very increasingly complicated relationship with it. (laughs) I'm very grateful for it. Even, you know, I mean, friends aside, like just being able to every Friday hop on a a zoom with my family, I think is like, you know, amazing and really sustaining me through not having seen them in over a year. You know, we do what we can. (laughs) Yeah. I think the moral of the story is if you're thinking about someone, tell them. Yes. If you find someone interesting and want to be their friend, try to be their friend, reach yep. out, tell them that, share commonalities, and um, don't be afraid of being a little bit weird or awkward. That, that last one is like, if I had a bell, I would ring it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're thankful for all of our friends who tune into this. We know you're out there. We appreciate you. We see you. Um, We like you all a lot. And in different times, we'll be passing around conversation hearts to each and every one of you. So thanks, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Artist at Work. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at artist at work pod. And our website is the artist at work.com. We'll see you next time.